Pleasant good evening to all brethren, friends, visitors. We are glad to have you. And it's a joy really for us to be here this evening to look into the Word of God. I understand you had three very good nights, so maybe I could just at this time say let's go home because you are already filled. But I'll try my best to be able to present a few things for our consideration this evening. And I guess that as you have been here the last three nights, you would have listened to the presenters as they strove to look into the Word of God and to try to get us all to understand the importance of knitting together in love to build the church. And it is important for us to know that each of us has a role to play. We cannot sit idly by and allow things to flow, but rather we need to get involved. We need to find ourselves binding ourselves or binding ourselves together so that we can move forward, right? And I'm certain that during the course of the last three nights, you would have heard much being spoken about the actual team of Knitting Together, and you'll have heard some wonderful messages as well. Now, in that particular team, there is something that jumps out at us, at us that I'd like to just mention something about. It speaks in Ephesians 4 about the body fitly joined together and being compacted. And we need to recognize, as we look at the marvels of the human body, that the body functions well when all of the parts harmonize. And in the same way, the church functions well when each member plays his or her role such that we can progress in the same direction. Now, we need to also recognize that what was there in the team in Ephesians chapter 4, we also find mention being made of it, or the same idea, that Paul paints in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when he speaks of the human body, the eye and the hand, etc., and they cannot really exist on their own, but in a harmonious way, they work together so that the whole body would be effective. And in the same way, in a harmonious way, as members of the Church of Christ, we need to work together so that our work would be effective. Now, you have heard some about mutual respect, but perhaps I might... Look at it from a different point of view, so I believe that we'll be able to gather something from the lesson this evening. So tonight we are revisiting the theme, and we're actually looking at mutual respect, the equalizer. And I'm going to just go to the, the passage, James chapter 2, and do some reading there, but I'll be selecting some verses um, to carry the lesson through. Not all of the verses, because there are so many. There's so much to say, and so little time. So let's read from James chapter 2, reading from verse 1. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. If there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring in goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and he have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Sit thou there, or sit here under my footstool, are ye not then partial in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? Hearten, my beloved brethren, had not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which he had promised to them that love him? But he have despised the poor, do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the, judge, the judgment seats? Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by the which you are called? If you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, 
thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, he do well. But he have respect to persons, or, but if he have respect to persons, he commits sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the whole law, yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not kill. Now if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. So speak ye and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. For he that had judgment without mercy, that showed no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against judgment. For he shall have judgment without mercy, that had showed no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against judgment. So we are examining mutual respect this evening. And what I would like to do, what I like to do is that I like to go into the aspect of respect and bring in mutual later on and show us that when there is mutual respect, what can be accomplished. And I like to end off the lesson by just deviating a little bit. It links with the lesson, however, to show if there is no mutual respect, what are some of the fallouts. Because we need to recognize that if we don't do what we are supposed to do, the church will be affected. So let's get going this evening as we look at what James here writes and examine a few thoughts that can help us to understand the essence of the message this evening. Now, you got the first verse, and immediately James is saying, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. And I think what he is doing here, he's setting the foundation in telling us that when we look at Christianity, if we hold on to Christianity, at the same time we should not show any partiality. If we are grounded in the faith as Christians, we should not demonstrate partiality, but rather what we should do is that we should strive to reach to a point where we are willing as Christians to do what we have to do in a fair and just manner so that all may have equal access in whatever is available. And we need to recognize that as James points out that there should not be any partiality, that we have to, first of all, set the standard. Because if we say that there shouldn't be any partiality or no favoritism, but rather there should be mutuality, there must be a standard that we must use as our guide. And let's see what the standard is this evening. The standard that we are to aim at is the standard that God himself has set. You look into the word of God, and in the book of Acts, chapter 10 and verse number 34, remember what Peter said when he was in Cornelius' home, in Acts chapter 10 and verse number 34, he said, Of a truth I perceive, that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation, he that feareth him, and worketh righteousness, is accepted with him. So we see that God is the standard and the Bible says that he is no respecter of persons. The Apostle Paul, in writing to the Romans, in Romans chapter 2, from verse number 11 to verse number 13, Romans chapter 2, from verse number 11 to verse number 13, this is what the Apostle Paul writes, For there is no respect of persons with God, for as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law. 
And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. So here the Apostle Paul, in writing to the Roman Christians, he's telling them that there is no respect of persons with God. Whatever you do, he says, whatever you do, you have to either suffer the consequences if it is wrong, or if you do that which is well, there will be some exaltation. So he's saying there is no respect of person with God. God is not a person who deals with any partiality. He's fair. He's impartial. And we need to recognize that. So that was what the Apostle Paul told the Roman Christians. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 6 and verse number 9, again the Apostle Paul writing to masters. He said, E masters, do the same things unto them. He's speaking about unto your servants. He says, forbearing threatening, knowing that your master also in heaven, or knowing that your master also is in heaven, and there is no respect of persons with him. So again, the Apostle Paul points out that God is just, that there is no respect of persons with him. So we have there the standard. We have there the standard. But in the same breath, I must say that in the Bible, there are men and women of great faith and courage who are often singled out for word, or let's say for worthy commendation. Persons who have done well, who have been singled out for the work that they do, that they should be given some measure of respect. Now we have not got, got to the mutual respect yet. We are speaking of it from one point of view. And in a moment we will get to from two points of view. So we are saying this evening in the Bible that there are persons who are singled out to be given some measure of respect. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse number 17 1 Timothy 5 and verse 17. Apostle Paul writing to the young man Timothy, speaking about elders. And you know at the Church of Christ in Kingston Park, you are moving towards the eldership, and I hope that you are making some progress. In 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 17, Paul writes, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. Of course, you know that there will be some misgivings and there will be some doubts here and there and there will be some times when one will stumble. But the Apostle Paul is saying those elders that are doing a good job, they should be counted worthy of double honor. They should be respected by the members of the congregation. In 1 Timothy chapter 5 verses 2 and 3, again the Apostle Paul is pointing out that respect should be shown not only to the older, but also to the younger women and widows. Those who are playing their part, they should be respected for what they do. And in 1 Timothy 5, or 1 Timothy 3 and verse number 13, 1 Timothy 3 and verse number 13, Paul writes about deacons. And this is what he said. For they which have used the office of a deacon well, purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Those who do the job of a deacon well, they are purchased to themselves a good degree and great boldness. They are worthy of commendation and respect. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. Having said all of that, we look at the context of James chapter 2. 
And we see here a situation where James paints a picture of a man visiting the assembly, the congregation. If there come unto the assembly a man with a gold ring, well dressed, and there also should come along a poor man, not so well dressed, and you have respect to him that weareth the fine clothing, verse 3, and you say to that individual, sit thou here in the good place. But on the other hand, you say to the poor, sit thou there, or sit here under my footstool, are ye not then partial in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? Now you see a picture here, and you can imagine a situation where there is a worship service going on, and there comes in one that is rich, having on, as James says, a gold ring, and there comes in one that is poor, and the measure of dress, the mode of dress, the one that is rich, well-dressed. The one that is poor, maybe cheap clothing, not well-dressed. And what James is saying, if you show some partiality there, by addressing the one that is rich, and you are saying to him, I'm giving you favor. The Bible says, you have respect to him, which simply means that you gaze upon him with much admiration. You are saying, this is the person I like to be associated with. But the one that is poor, you leave him on his own. He's not even escorted to a seat. But rather he's allowed to find his own way. And he even sits at the footstool. James is saying, if you behave in such a manner, are you not then partial in yourselves? Now I have read an interesting story of an ancient, an ancient writer who mentions of one man that he knew who wore six rings on each finger. Six gold rings on each finger. He wore them night and day. And he would not even remove them when he was taking a bath. Suppose such an one should come into the assembly with all of those gold rings, I guess, I may dare say it may attract some attention. But will he be treated differently than someone else who is not so well dressed, etc.? How will we operate? History tells us of a soldier called Hannibal. Now Hannibal, after a great battle, he sent three, three bushels of gold rings that he took from the fingers of Roman knights that he had killed in battle. And those gold rings were sent as a token to Carthage. Now all of that is saying it was not uncommon in the days of James for persons who are rich, well-dressed, having on gold rings and so on, to just go where the church assembled. And it is not uncommon today for persons who are well-dressed to come into the congregation, to come as visitors, etc. But the question is, how are we going to operate? Now we shall see in the context as we go along, that when we speak about the respect that is given here, and we shall get to mutual in a while, sometimes the respect might be a one-track respect. In that we, let's say as Christians, we have to look out for the non-Christians. Respect them for who they are. We have to look out also for other Christians and respect them for who they are. But at the same time, I may dare say, we will expect some level of respect from the non-Christians our way and from Christians our way. So we expect it to be mutual. 
Because when one examines the meaning of mutual, we see respect for each other. And when there is respect for each other, whether it is brother and brother in Christ, brother and sister in Christ, etc., or even the Christian and the non-Christian have respect for each other, I tell you, it is easier to get things done. It is easier to break the ice. But sometimes, sometimes as Christians, we destroy the bridge on which we should cross. We destroy the bridge on which we should cross because we do not exhibit that neutral or two-way respect that is necessary for persons to look at us and say, yes, I understand what you're saying, I respect you for your views, but these are my views, etc. Oh, I understand what you're saying, I respect you, I know you respect me, and therefore we can sit down and trash out the matter. And we need to understand that when there is mutuality of respect, it's a great equalizer, it levels the playing field. It is saying, I am not on a different level than you are, but rather we are on the same level and we are striving to achieve the same goal as brothers and sisters in Christ. We are moving in the same direction. I respect you. You respect me. Let us move forward together. As when we are pulling a tug of war, we are going in the same direction. But sometimes we find, as James points out, that this is not the case. This is not the case. There is that partiality that steps in and causes some problems. Now when James speaks here about the rich man told to sit in the good place, in the synagogue, the Jewish synagogue, the best seat was a seat at the end of the building where he could sit there facing Jerusalem. Right? That was the best seat. And sometimes persons, if you are partial, you may say the best seat belongs to persons who have exhibited particular characteristics. But a poor person, you just let him go on his own. And James is warning that such things ought not to be. Now you notice also as we continue on this evening, that in the word of God, and specifically here in James, he points out in verses 8 and 9, James chapter 2 verses 8 and 9, he says, If he fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, you do well. But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. You will have heard a lesson dealing with love and the theme has been love, knitting together in love and so on. And that love is a glue that binds. It helps, it assists, it makes the job easier. When there is not only mutuality and respect as we are speaking of this evening, but when there is that ingredient of love to mix in the whole, the whole scheme of things, a lot can be done. And James points out here for us, that if you love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But if you are showing some level of partiality, then that's where the problem comes in. If to some you behave a particular way, and to others a particular way, then that's a problem. And sometimes we do have that creeping in to the congregation. But what we are speaking of this evening is that there should be mutual respect. There are some of us who preach the gospel. There are others who do not preach the gospel, maybe they can lead songs. There are other individuals, they go about in the village, they visit the sick, whether brethren or other persons in the village. There are some who will clean the building. 
and we can go on and on and mention many different things that we might be engaged in. But do we look down on particular persons because of what they do or because of what they are engaged in? Sometimes we find ourselves doing that. Just on Sunday I was, tell, I was telling the brethren in Georgetown that there is something I've been looking at and something that I admire. And I've been telling them whenever there is a situation where children, and I mean those who come to Sunday school, whether they are in primary or secondary school, when they are able to come to whether a brother or sister in Christ, and in my case there are many of the young ones who come to me with particular questions, I say when you find them approaching with questions, wanting to know answers, that tells you something about yourself. If they come to you and they are inquiring, it shows that you are approachable. It shows that you are approachable. When they are afraid to come and ask anything, then that is sending a signal. But when they are willing and they can come up to you, maybe in excitement, wanting to find out something, maybe that they have read or somebody has discussed and they are not sure, and they come up and they want to find out, it shows that you are approachable. And being approachable helps in terms of the mutual respect. Because if one is approachable, then what is happening is that persons will feel comfortably coming to that individual, and you yourself, because you have exhibited that attitude of being approachable, you will not find it difficult to reach out to others, so it makes the job easier. So sometimes we have to try to be more approachable. More to the extent of person not being afraid to be around us, but rather to be willing to come where we are and discuss matters and feel comfortable. We need to try to do that. And there are some of us who are able to do it very well, and there are some might have a little difficulty. Of course, we don't have the same abilities and so on, but we have to try whatever we can do. We have to try to do it to the best of our ability this evening. So, we examine what James is saying here, and it's important for us to recognize this evening that in the early church that we read about in Acts chapter 2, and I don't have to go there, and because I believe many of us know very well what happened there, when the church was established here at Jerusalem, do you know one of the reasons why the church was so successful in their mission in evangelism? We are told of, of the members going from house to house and eating their meat or their bread with singleness of heart. And you find that they found favor with all the people. Now just think about that for a moment. In Jerusalem there, there were non-Christians. There were also Christians there. But if they found favor with all the people, it means even those who have not yet obeyed the gospel of Christ, they were looking on and they saw something that they appreciated. They saw something that caused them to start to look and to yearn to find out why are these people so happy. And the fact that those members of the church were able to go out there and reach out and the Lord added to the church daily such as were being saved will point to the fact that there seemed to be some level of respect going on there with the members of the church respecting the people in society and not being afraid to go out there and mingle with them and share the word of God. And at the same time, they were not afraid to go out there and mingle with their brethren. Be with them, have sweet fellowship. So they were mingling with the brethren and those who are not Christian, and it seemed to be a two-way street. That's what we need. We need mutual respect, the equalizer that helps us to be as on the same playing field so that we are willing to walk at it together. 
to work at it together. Not I here and you down there. But rather, we need to be on a level playing field and work together. Work together. It helps. It really helps. So the early church was very, very successful because of that mutual respect that they had. But I want to just point out a couple of things here. We speak of mutual respect. I respect you. You respect me. Members of the Lord's church, we have respect for each other. We don't look down on each other. We make our mistakes. We sin. But we are willing to come to the word of God when we do wrong to go to the brother. Tell him his fault if he has done us wrong between us and him alone. And if he has not heard, you take another, etc. We know the principle very well. And whenever there is that level of respect, we find it easier to break the ice. We find it easier to be able to get certain things across. Now here are some things for you to consider. There are some attitudes. And there are many of them, but I'll have just time to point out a few of them. There are some attitudes that will manifest themselves whenever there is mutual respect. If there's a level of respect each for the other, whether it is brother and sister or even Christians and non-Christians, because we have to respect the non-Christians as well, for them to see what we have, what we are made of, and they too will want to experience the same joys that we are experiencing. There are some attitudes that will manifest themselves whenever there is mutual respect. The attitude of being concerned for each other. The attitude of being concerned for each other. You look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And the Apostle Paul, in verses 25 and 26, 1 Corinthians 12, 25, 26, he says that there should be no schisms in the body, schisms or there should be no division in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Whenever there is mutual respect, respect one for the other, there will be a level or an attitude of concern for each other. I am concerned about you. You are concerned about me because we have respect for each other. We respect each other for who we are. And that's what the Apostle Paul is pointing out here to the Christians at Corinth. No division in the body. We should have the same care one for the other. Or do we say, I knew that that was coming to him a long time now. It's good for him. It should have happened before. Sometimes we do say that. Sometimes we are very harsh in what we say. Sometimes we are very harsh in the things we say. Sometimes we do not sympathize or empathize. But rather we are out there on a limb. And we are looking at others who are suffering members of the church. And we do absolutely nothing to assist. But when there is mutual respect, you cannot sit idly by. You cannot because you respect the brother. And the brother respects you, so you are motivated to move and to act. When there is mutual respect, you can never sit idly by. Never. Because it will be in you to see that where I am, if I am at a higher level and my brother is struggling, I want to pick him up and bring him to my level because I respect him. That's what we need to do. And that's what the attitude, one of the attitudes we need to cultivate. When there is mutual respect, there is concern, care for each other. Not only that, but there is also, secondly, there is appreciation for others and their work. 
Whenever there is mutual respect, you appreciate others for what they are doing, the work that they are engaging, and that I think is what the Apostle Paul was saying to the Christians, the Thessalonian Christians, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. 1 Thessalonians 1, verses 2 and 3. There is appreciation for others and their work. 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 2 and verse 3. We give thanks to God always for you, making mention of you in our prayers. Remember without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. We remember without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love. Appreciation for what others are doing is essential. When there is mutual respect, you appreciate what the other brother or sister is doing. And I say, when I say doing here, I mean doing in a spiritual sense. Right? We appreciate it. A brother preaches a message. There are principles there, concepts or things that strike you. That help you, let the brother know about it. Show some measure of appreciation for what he has presented, for what he has done. Sister is doing well, going out there and visiting and encouraging persons to come to the worship service. Show some level of appreciation. Sister, I like what you are doing. I hope that you are motivated to continue. These little things help. Very often the little things matter. The things that we ignore, they help. Appreciation is important. A little word of encouragement can go a very long way. I was telling the brethren in Georgetown recently that before I preached my first sermon to people, I preached it to Canes. I went to a cane field. And there, that's a long time ago, I went to a cane field and I stood there and I was preaching to the Canes. And it was a joy because from time to time I would see the Canes bowing down saying, Amen. Oh yes! So when I delivered that first sermon many, many moons ago, I had already gotten appreciation from the Canes. I'm saying to us this evening that we need to show some level of appreciation, and it comes about when there is mutual respect. When there is mutual respect, you say, well, brother, I really appreciate what you're doing. Sister, I really appreciate what you're doing. I hope that you will continue and even strive to do more. And the person will know, the brother or sister will know that you are genuine. Because you see, when there is mutual respect, they don't doubt what you say. They're saying, yes, I understand what you're saying. I, I'm thankful for what you've said. And things are going to go well. Appreciation for the work. Even if there's an error made, a mistake made. And there's mutual respect. And you go to the brother and say, brother, well, I think you made a little error in one of the passages that you quoted. The brother will say, I thank you very much for it. Because you see, there is respect. You know that the person is not really just being critical for, critical, uh, for criticism's sake. But rather, it is genuine for your own good. I normally tell the brethren, I'm very happy. When if there's an error made somewhere, misquoting of a verse that somebody can point it out to me, I'm very appreciative of that. Because sometimes you are not aware of certain things that you may have said or how certain things went across. And when you're told about it, you sit back and you say, Oh yes, that's what I said. I should not have said it in this way. It is very important. When there's mutual respect and things are brought in that light, you take it in good spirits. But when there is not mutual respect, you wonder, I wonder why he's telling me this. Is it to get at me? To pull me down? Or is it to try to help me to be a better person? When there's mutual respect, Normally you take things in good spirit, in good light, 
Because you know that you are speaking the truth in love. And when one speaks the truth in love and you understand, you appreciate it far better. Oh yes, we are human beings, we make our mistakes, so we need help along the way. So I'm speaking about this mutual respect and the attitudes that we can adopt that can help us. Concern for each other, appreciation for the work of others. Another attitude is willingness to cooperate. And there is so much we can say in Corinthians and various passages in the Bible. Willingness to cooperate or to work together. When there is mutual respect, you don't have a problem working with the other brethren. You don't have a problem because you are singing from the same song sheet. So you do not have a problem if you say, this afternoon we are going out there to visit in the community. You don't have a problem doing that because there is mutual respect. Willingness to cooperate. You like to be around the brethren because you respect each other. So you like to be present and Paul says, look at the human body. The eye can't say because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body. He's saying, well, each part has its role to play. And the same thing with us as members. We are all vital. We are all important. There are persons in the society that you can reach and others cannot reach. Think about that. There are friends that you have that you can have the impact on their lives. Get them to listen to you. That I may not be able to do it. Or Brother Richard or Brother Jack. Or Sister Jack may not be able to reach such individuals. But you have an excellent opportunity to so do. Therefore, whatever thy hand finds it to do, do it with all thy might. Don't relax and say, let somebody else do it. If it is in your way to do it. Because it's important for each to do what he or she can do. To help as we strive, literally, in this sense, as we strive to broaden the border of the kingdom, as we strive to get men to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. Gentleness and meekness is another attitude. You see, when there is mutual respect, you are gentle in what you say. You may have something harsh to say, something very critical, but the way you say it, the way you approach, the way you put it across, the brothers say yes. I'm guilty of that. I understand what you're saying. And brother, I'll try to do better. But you go. It's long time. I knew that you will fall into trouble. And I'm here to tell you. And you start like that. Brother, sister, close off. They might say, well, I'm busy now. Come back another time. When there is mutual respect, we choose the right time to say certain things. We look at the situation and we decide what is the best, what is the best method of approach. When there's mutual respect, you sit down and you think, you analyze before you act. There is no situation in which you will just jump from the impulse of the moment and just go and launch an attack. But rather, you sit down, you meditate, you count the cost, and then you act. Mutual respect calls for us to sit back a little while, literally like counting to ten. Before we say what we have to say. And you have been hearing a lot about forgiveness and forbearance. When there is mutual respect, it's easy to forgive. It's easy to forgive. You find the Apostle Paul speaking in the book of Colossians chapter 3 about forgiving one another. Easy to forgive because once I respect you and so on, if you have done me wrong, but because I have great respect for you, I know you have the same for me, it's easy for, for us to sit down as rational human beings, discuss the matter and trash it out. But if we are on different levels, that's a problem. Serious problem as well. And we have been speaking about love. When there is mutual respect, there is always love. 
the glue that binds. It's always there. And it can only grow and get stronger and stronger. But I want, before we get down to a close on this lesson this evening, just to impress something on your minds. We have been speaking about mutual respect that equalizes. It helps. But what if? What if there is no mutual respect? What is? Don't you know that if there is no mutual respect, that there will be consequences? And you know one of the grave consequences when there is no mutual respect? Drifting. People start to drift. People start to drift. I read of a story of two young men who went, to, they went fishing on a dam. And there they were, being, they're concentrating on catching fishes, not even noticing where they were. They were in that boat, but they were getting closer and closer to the edge of the dam. When they realized what was happening, that the waters were going swiftly over, it was too late. Both of them went over, they drowned. They found one body almost immediately, and the other body about three days after. They were drifting. They were drifting. They were concentrating on something and not on the entire and they found themselves drifting. If there is no mutual respect, we will find ourselves drifting as well. Because if you can't have something that keeps you together, then you are going to seek elsewhere for some sort of satisfaction. Within the church, if we do not have mutual respect, brother for sister, sister for brother, then you are going to feel not a part of. You are going to feel as though you are not, you are there but yet not there. You are going to seek. You are going to seek outside. You are going to seek for some sort of solace. Maybe from somebody in a denomination. And that's where the trouble starts. So we have to realize that if mutual respect is lacking, it's going to cause drifting. Members are going to start drifting. And look at something, look at this. When there is drifting, the drifting, if you're in a boat, the drifting is normally downstream. The drifting is normally going with the tide. And you know if you go with the tide, what happens? You tend to go faster and faster and faster. So you start off small, but you drift and you drift, and before you know it, you reach the point of no return. So sometimes, because we lack the mutual respect, we might be contributing to persons drifting. Drifting. And sometimes they reach a point of no return. We want to pull them back. But we can't get them to come our way anymore. Because we lack that which should have kept them in the first place. So the mutual respect is so very important. I want us to consider that. And see the importance of us. Having that mutual respect. Because you see, when a person is drifting, when a ship is drifting, that ship is sometimes a danger to other ships. Because if you're drifting, there's some other ship there, there can be a collision. When a brother or sister is drifting, that can present a danger to others, to other weak Christians. They see you drifting. They're drifting too. So then you can find others do things in like manner. To avoid that, mutual respect. So therefore, when you see the drifting starts, because there is mutual respect, you can say, Brother, I noticed within recent times that such and such is happening. What is really wrong? Let's just discuss this thing. And the brother, who is confident in your presence, will say, I'm really going through a crisis. This is the problem I'm facing. And then you discuss it, and you come to a conclusion, and you say, Brother, I thank you very much for listening to my plight. 
mutual respect causes that. But if there is not that mutual respect, who can I approach? Who is there for me to lean on? There is nobody. So what should I do? Try to solve the problem on my own? Try to look to some non-Christian to give me some sort of advice? And then there is rifting. You see how important mutual respect is? It helps you to keep a check. Helps you to keep a check on yourself and on others. Because if there is mutual respect, you have, you are e- it's easy for you to spot when things are not right. When something, the brother has missed the worship service, one week, two weeks, something is wrong. Because you are looking out. But if there is no mutual respect there, a month is gone and you didn't even know that the brother didn't show up. You didn't even know the sister did not show up. Mutual respect is so vital. So this evening, what am I saying? As you look at the book of James, we need to recognize that in the church of Christ, we need to understand each other and try or endeavor best to demonstrate mutual respect. Not because I may have a lot to do in terms of the worship service, I should look down on those who are hardly doing much in the church. Maybe because of lack of ability or other reasons. Don't look at something to be done and say, let somebody else do it. But rather, you get up and do it. And others, when they see you doing, perhaps they will be motivated to do as well. But if every one of us look at everybody else, nothing will get done. You know, one of the great, um, one of the great principles of leadership is when a leader can give others the opportunity to be part of the process to be part of the leadership process so that they might even be able to do a better job than he the leader can do himself. When you give persons the opportunity to excel and that comes when there is mutual respect. You say, well, all of us are in this thing together. It doesn't matter if I reach point A and the other one reach a higher notch. We are in this thing together and it can, all, it can benefit all of us. So let us just march forward together. So it's important for us to sit in that light. I think I've said a few things for you to consider this evening. So let us just strive in our Christian walk to demonstrate mutual respect. Let the others know that we are looking out for them and they in turn should look out for us. Very often we can't see many things around us. Persons sometimes who are drifting, sometimes they don't even know that they are drifting. You see those two boys who are fishing there? They didn't know they were drifting until it was too late. Sometimes it takes the spectator in the stand to look at what is happening on the cricket pitch to see the mistakes. Sometimes it takes other brothers and sisters to look at other brothers and sisters and see where they are airing and point it out to them. We are in this thing together. Mutual respect. Work together. Strive together. March forward together. And I tell you, if we are able and willing to do that, added with the steadfastness, with the courage, I tell you, in the end of it, our labor will not be in vain in the law. So let us try to do the will of God and to do it to the best of our ability. Amen.